My name is Jack Otway. And I'm Jay Otway, and welcome to Like Dragon Like Sun, where we are broadcasting live from somewhere in the multiverse. Somewhere in the multiverse. Speaking of multiverse, we're talking planes of existence. We might be uh, podcasting right now from another plane of existence. From the city of brass, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we're on tour uh, in the inner planes. On That'd the be inner a cool planes. idea. Like a, a, a t- 17th like 20th level party of bards who like tour the outer planes doing well maybe not the outer but the inner planes we're talking about why you tour the inner rather than the outer the outer kind of gets a little crazy real fast but we're going to talk about planes of existence yeah yeah we're going we're going on our virtual holidays because hey you know all of us now are dreaming of of going once again somewhere else other than where we are but while that remains fantasy hey Role-play games like D&D are a mm. great way to escape. Uh, so where are we going first today? Uh, well, we're, so we're on the material. For those of you at home uh, who are just tuning in and going, what are these guys talking about? We're talking about the planes of existence in Dungeons & Dragons. Largely rules is written. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later about how, hey, you don't ever have to play by the rules in D&D. Uh, you can make up your own multiverse of planes however you want uh my homebrew world uh that uh i have created has a different cosmology but uh so maybe jack take us through a little bit first what is the standard D uh planes of existence well the main idea is that there's this big wheel right and that on the inside there is the like the very center is the material plane, the which is kind of like, you know, it reminds me of vibes when they thought the earth was the center yeah, yeah. of the universe, but whatever, we'll go with Ancient it Ancient Rome, where we're like, we are the center of the universe. Off of the material plane branches the Feywilds and Shadowfell, which are classified as echoes of yeah. the material so plane. So they're like overlaid sort of uh, of the material plane. Then surrounding all of that is the ethereal plane, which is sort of like this loosey sort of... It's like insulation goo. Exactly, you know, uh, which then takes you to the elemental planes or the inner planes. Right, I think all of this is the You need some insulation planes, because it's either exactly. really hot or really cold or really windy or... Really dirty, earthy. Dirty? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but then it takes you to the elemental planes of air, water, fire, and earth, uh, which are all surrounded by the elemental chaos uh, as well. And those are our inner planes. That's yeah. it. That's All of it summed up in one minute without yeah. any explanations of what they are. And But in as rules is written, inside each of those elemental planes, I think in terms of how do you visualize these things? How do you want to, like, would you go there? The idea is that you could, right? That you could basically have a party that, I mean, taking into consideration that in some of those places, you know, there's a lot of fire or a lot of water. But the elemental plane of water doesn't have to be underwater. Like you can be traveling across a great sea and that you can find the Isle of Dread and you could have an adventure there. Um, in the, you mentioned earlier the city of Brass, uh, mm. which- Perhaps it, they classified as the most famous spot on the inner planes. Maybe more, I think it's, I mean, I, it's, it's cool they say that. I've always wanted to, to send a party there. Um, but you know, Isle of Dread back, if you were an old person like me, Isle of Dread was a module back in first edition. Um, it now in fifth edition is the famous city, if you will, in the uh, plain of, of water. It's an island. So these places, you know, you can imagine places in the uh, inner planes that, and again, don't send first to fourth level characters here. <laughs> Maybe, this, why not? Well, you know, I mean, I've got a campaign where I've got plane traveling fourth levels, but um, that I'm playing in. It, it's, it's, it's harsh, it's hard. Um, often things in other planes of existence are just a lot tougher, uh, but definitely I would say, if there's I, a place I'd to go, take them, yeah, take fifth, them fifth to tenth, you know, there's a lot, a lot of, of, you know, alternative things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are those are still further out. I think those one the ones that we mentioned earlier that are a little bit closer in, mm. uh, the Shadowfell. 
and the, the Feywild. Feywild. Uh, these ones, I mean, more than just travel destinations, these are ones that... Could be real places you go well, to. Well, and yeah. even while you're in the material plane, there's a load of things that are Fey that show up in the game. Uh, Fey-touched things are everywhere. Our elves are Fey-touched. Um, our Firbolg is Fey-touched. We have lots of things in the game that you may find... Uh, Almost anything that speaks Sylvan, uh, those things are are definitely from the Fey Wild. Yeah. There's not really a Shadowfell language. No, it's crazy, right? There isn't really a, a comparison. But mind you, there isn't a lot of of other creatures. Stuff, yeah. Well, actually, true. that said, you know, the Shadowfell has a famous city. It does. It does. Yes. Um, Evernight. Evernight. Yeah. I think it's a Neverwinter city. It is. It's, a, it's the... Just the a flip. specific world. But, but it's not... It's like a funny place because it's got this big wall of of made of like skeletons and things all around it. Um, but it actually kind of... The walls kind of keep the worst of the Shadowfell gloom out. Um, Shadowfell has got this... Uh, every plane of existence... Let's back that up for a sec. Every plane of existence you go to may have some sort of crazy effect upon you. Mm. And in the Shadowfell, because the place is just gray and depressing and it like sucks the joy sort of out of you. Um, there's something called Shadowfell Despair. And this is rules as written, um, sort of like a depression that your characters uh, can experience. Um, and, and yeah, so if you go to... Um, the shadow fell. The shadow fell. If you, you get, may experience right immense despair. But this city, the city of Evernight, though, kind of keeps some of that out. And there's a, a booming trade there. It's definitely the go-to spot if you're a lich and you want to go pick up some like bones, cool, cool <laughs> lich uh, magic or items, or you know, attend a lich conference or things like that. There's a lot of that going on down there. Um, I also suspect that if you are like a big Raven Queen uh, fan, yeah, that if there's a Raven Queen place like, to fest go yeah, of some sort of con, a con uh, that yeah, the the Ra Raven Con three thousand definitely going to be held in Evernight. Exactly, uh, that's where everybody goes. The corpse colored convention center. Uh, you know, the Feywild is kind of the the flip side of that. For as as depressing as the Shadowfell is, the Feywild just heightens everything. It yeah, makes super vibrant, you know. Everybody seems more intense. Emotions run much hotter, um, but more chaotically as well. Um, the the Fey is a place where people are like, uh, you know, they're, they're a bit manic um, to the depression uh, that is the Shadowfell. So, yeah, there's sort of, maybe that's the best way to I sort of think of them, like uh, that manic depressive disorder is the the Feywild, the Manic side, and the Shadowfell being the mm. depressed side. All right, well, let's touch a little bit on some of the Feywild stuff and give people a little bit more, like, image if they have never heard of these things. I'm sure most C&D players understand what the Feywild may look like, but many new players have no idea what is Feywild. Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine it as a very lush, green, foresty sort of environment. Mm. Um, very fairy, very, like, magical... Uh, fairyland sort of vibe. Well, that's just it. The Feywild, also called the Plain of Fairy, it used to be, yeah, is a land of soft lights and wonder, a place of music and death. So you know, not exactly the joyous. Everything is happy. Uh, everything uh, is a realm. Uh, sorry, it is a realm of everlasting twilight, with glittering fairy lights bobbing in the gentle breeze and fat fireflies buzzing through the groves and fields. The sky is alight with the faded colors of an ever-setting sun, which never truly sets or rises for that matter. It remains stationary, dusky and low in the sky, away from the settled areas ruled by the seely fay that compose the summer court. The land is a tangle of sharp-toothed brambles and syrupy fens, perfect territory for the unseely fay to hunt their prey. Right, so you mentioned on something there, the, there's two courts in the Feywild. The summer court and the winter court? Yep. Summer and winter, also known as the Seely, uh, which is the summer, and the Unseely, which is the winter. And they're actually sometimes, the winter one's also called the Gloaming Court. And I'm right now at the loss to think what the, the counter, there's another term. 
similar term for the summer. So there's a few different expressions, um, but gloaming is is winter and unseely. Oddly, the way that it's often framed is that the unseely are are the bad ones. But you got to remember, the, in the Feywild, there isn't really such concepts as kind of good and bad. Mm. The the Seelie Court is very much more puritanical. They're very like you've got to be like proper, true Fey blood. Um, you're like Eldrin, or you're you know Eldrin, or like the original elves, the OG elves. Yeah, or you, or you know, like you've got to be like seriously Sylvan ancestry of some sort. Whereas the Unseelie is actually much op- more open to outside creatures who come and kind of join the court. So mm-hmm. you don't have to be as purely fey in the Unseelie. Yeah. Um, they're a lot more open to like whatever. And so in some ways, even though they're often characterized, I think, as the bad ones, um, they're in many ways more open-minded than the the Seelie are. So don't when you think looking at the Fey Wild, bring sort of human morality ideas to it because they they've got a very alien way of thinking, and I think that's important when you thinking about any, any of the, other plane of yeah, existence. Like these is, ones are at least a little bit more tangible, but when you get to some of the other planes, they are truly planes of thought, you know, yeah, and, and of of specific ide- ideologies. And when you're playing these creatures as well, if you're bringing them into the material plane as a DM. Remember that they do have a alien morality, like that they're, it's not black and white, it's blue and orange. Yeah, logic uh, is thrown out the window. It, well, it's not illogical, it's just that their, their, their thought pattern of how they, it follows. Their logic is different. Is different. Like, and, and so because of that, it may, to the players, seem bizarre what they're trying to do, but always still try to make sure that in the mind of your NPCs, your monsters or creatures, makes perfect sense to them but but what inhabits the feywild well the feywild is inhabited by sylvan like we said before sylvan creatures such sure. as elves dryads satyrs pixies and sprites centaurs as well as centaurs and magical creatures such as blink dogs which are like dogs that teleport around fairy dragons treants and unicorns even even Yay. though they're celestial but well yeah i mean that's there's yeah but you know what this is you as a dm decide which where you want to put certain creatures um, and again, maybe to my point earlier about things that are accepted in the Feywild, even though they may came, come from other places, uh, unicorns are, in my mind, they feel so Fey. They, mm. they, they definitely yeah, go there. Yeah, that's my arch Fey patron. <laughs> yeah, why not? Unicorn, boom. Fun times. The darker regions of the plane are home to s- such malevolent creatures as hags, blights, goblins, ogres, and giants. So they, the dark places do exist. In the sure. sort of plane, but they're again sort of like not apathetic or gloomy, but instead, you know, evil, dark, like fairy tale stuff. And I think that's sort of a big yeah, idea. I, again, like it's, instead of evil, I would often just cast them more as as creatures of yeah, creatures that you might be more afraid of for yeah. some reason that come with sort of baked in fear factors that even still though evoke powerful emotions yeah they do but they may not be evil or mean they're they could just more or less you know have that sort of uh prejudice against them mm. i mean the feywild exists parallel to the material plane the idea that echo an alternative dimension that occupies the same cosmological space the landscape of the feywild mirrors the natural world so the material plane but turns its features into spectacular forms which is, I think is always like a fun idea of making things more vibrant. Where a volcano stands in the material plane, a mountain topped with a skyscraper-sized crystals grow, uh, glow with internal uh, fire towers in the Feywild. A wide, muddy river on the material plane might be an echoed uh, uh, as a clear and winding brook of great beauty. A marsh could be reflected as a vast black bog of sinister character. And moving to the Feywild from old ruins in the material plane might uh, put a traveler at the door of an Archfey's castle. Yeah, I think that's the fun idea. And Shadowfell does the same thing, that idea of drawing parallels and echoing things so that they, you know, if, if in your game you gate somebody from one plane to another, that they show up in a different version of wherever they were in the material plane. Mm, exactly. Um, you know, the, the plane of Shadow, the Shadowfell is 
is very similar. It, you know, throughout the history of D&D, it hasn't always existed uh, the way it does now. I think actually the current fifth edition, the symmetry that they've drawn with this. It's quite cool. The Shadowfell and the Feywild and the Material Plane is beautiful. Um, but yeah, the Shadowfell, I don't think existed before the fourth edition. It was like the Demiplane of Shadow before that. Um, which I think kind of was born out of the the Ravenloft stuff of second edition. So, you know, even though Ravenloft, the module came out in first, um, then we exp- they got expanded and Ravenloft became this part of this demiplane of dread, uh, which I mean, it still is referred to as a demiplane, but there was a whole cosmology of its own with the, the core and all these different demiplanes within that core. Um, and that, that was, I think, in many ways, the origins of the Shadowfell, which now sort of really been, you know, opened up uh, a lot more. Mm. I say opened up, but also, I mean, a lot of that history has been erased. I don't know if later in 5th edition, given the massive popularity of Curse of Strahd, if maybe we can see uh, some more, you know, source books that would help develop it. But um, the, let me just read a little bit here about... Uh, the the shadow fell sort of for you. Um, the the plane of shadow is home to shadow creatures and shadow stuff, the raw stuff that creates the shadow creatures. The more shadow stuff a shadow creature had, the more powerful they were. Each of these shadow creatures started as the shadow shadows of creatures from the material plane though many found ways to become untethered to their original owners uh, and there's actually a thing in uh, Castle Ravenloft uh, where your shadow can actually become detached from you and turn and attack you which mm. is again, and plenty of illusion spells draw from this um, idea of shadow mortals from the material plane with enough magic ability could briefly visit the plane of shadows and travel great distances across uh, the plane, uh, their home plane, as the shadow lands are far more mutable. And I like this idea as well of being able to, and I think we see this reflected where there's certain characters who can step into shadows in one place or step into darkness and magically teleport to another dark space and come back out. That when they're doing that, they're actually doing little shortcuts through the shadow fell, right? They're doing little mini planar steps from one shadow to another all of that shadowy stuff that you find in the game that is all connected back into the shadow fell mm. uh and for those of you out there who like your hex blades who are into your uh raven queen uh uh patrons <laughs> um that's shadow fell as well that's the biggest part of of how the shadow fell i think touches D&D today. I mean, even things like shadow dragons and undead creature, like creatures that like are present there, like dark mantles and cloakers and things that thrive in this sort of gloom. Um, and there's an, uh, an effect it has on you, you know, if you stay there. Yeah. Like uh, shadow filled despair. So um, it's real. When you deem it appropriate, if you're a DM, though usually not more than once per day, you can require a character not native to the Shadowfell to make a DC 10 wisdom saving throw. On a failure, the character is affected by despair. Roll a D6 to determine the effects using the Shadowfell despair table. You can substitute different despair effects of your own creation as well. Apathy, disadvantage on death saving throws and dexterity checks for initiative, gains the following flaw. I don't believe I can make a difference to anyone or anything. Yeah, it's so sad. Dread. The character has disadvantage on all saving throws and gains the following flaw. I am convinced that this place is going to kill me. Madness. The character has disadvantage on ability checks and saving throws that use intelligence, wisdom, or charisma and gains the following flaw. I can't tell what's real anymore. But there's a whole new use for calm emotions, uh, which removes the despair. So, yeah. boom, now calm emotions is even better. And you know, Shadowfell Despair is something you can even bring into your Curse of Strahd setting. Yeah. Or if the players have been there for a while, if things and have been... And sanity really... saving throws, you know? We, yeah. we come back to this idea of sanity. You could really apply one of these if someone fails a sanity Absolutely. check. Instead of doing short-term madness, you... Pick instead, one of these. Instead, you have yeah, one of simple these. Simple madness, dread, or um, apathy. You know? Yeah. And madness doesn't become this abstract roll on a table to see how mad you become. I, it's I also, just... I also think that... on intelligence, wisdom, or charisma, checks and savings For throws. characters, characters that drop to zero HP and start making death saves and then are saved and brought back. So not raised from dead, but just 
you know, recover, stabilized and recovered and brought back, they they come back with a Shadowfell despair of some sort. Mm. Um, I, I just like the idea of that there being like more consequences uh, to that. Uh, at least in my game, they come back with that. And you can actually also have rules if someone's already suffering from it to uh, whenever they finish a, a long rest, they can attempt to overcome it with a Absolutely. DC 15 wisdom. Um, they say it's sort of harder because once it's taken hold, it's harder to shake off. But And anybody who's um, really dealt with depression knows that's true. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So you know the Raven Queen's history? Well, I, I, I think she's like not really... Like her 5th edition presence is kind of weird. Like, All right, so in 5th edition, um, I think there's like, you know, Corlon and Loth, Loth um, were kind of like duking it out. And, um, and she was like this third party that was trying to like get them to come, come to their senses and you know she was rising in power and many elves were inspired by her so offering up their souls and their magic abilities this is from uh mordekainen's tome of foes which got a really beautiful write-up in it anyway so the group that's devoted to her called themselves uh shatter kai which are uh, actually a, a playable a, a race playable subrace absolutely so they're a shadow fell playable race if you want to play somebody who's Fae-ish, Fae adjoint, well, their Shadowfell. Shadowfell, yeah. Which I doesn't have another name. It should, I guess, it, if you just call the Fae wild people shadow. Fae, are they just Shadow? Anyways, so if you want to play a Shadow race, the Shadow Kai are your uh, go-to ones. Mm. If you um, want to play the ultimate edgy thing that isn't a drow, then yeah. this. And many people think drow are Shadowfell, but they're not. They're material plane. The Underdark is the material plane. It just sits underground yeah it's it's just subterranean uh, although you could treat it as sort of a semi-separate plane. yeah you could treat it as a gateway to I'd, I'd some let of you the like lower planes yeah, jump around i mean that's them. out of the abyss is big like yeah. thing you know it's got connections there lolth is like a an evil is, is she a demon or right. what's no, the yeah. raven, anyways the raven queen but, so the raven queen so as the numbers of shatterkai grew the consortium of evil wizards among her followers saw an opportunity to siphon off the energy of the shatterkai for themselves by performing their own self-serving rituals which would impart to them magical powers beyond those of the greatest elven wizards of legend but as the queen approached the entrance to arvindor she realized what the wizards were doing and brought all her wrath down upon them as the ritual was underway. Because she was now a quasi-divine entity, her supernatural rage corrupted the ritual into a phenomenon that took on a terrible strength of its own. By the time the queen realized her error, she could feel the now-twisted magic energy grabbing hold of her, and she was powerless to stop it. In a panic, she reached out to the souls of the Shatter Kai for more power, hoping to save herself, but the gravity of the spell had become irresistible. It pulled the queen and all who were under her sway into the Shadowfell, where she was instantly killed from her ruined mind and body. The Raven Queen was born. Mm. There you go. Sometimes when you start your own cult, things go terribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. So if you're visiting the Shadowfell, make sure you stop by uh, every night and uh, pay homage to some Shatterkai and uh, Raven Queens. That's, they're such a part of the game now. It shows up everywhere. If you're a Critical Role fan, well, season one, man, Raven Queen's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, not to get into spoilers, but yes. We didn't actually touch on the optional rules for the Feywild, so I think we'll go through that quickly. Uh, Feywild magic um, is a big thing, and it's all about like memory loss and, and warping time. Sure. Yeah. Um, memory loss. A creature that leaves the Feywild must make a DC 10 wisdom saving throw. Fey creatures automatically succeed, uh, as do any creatures like elves that have the Fey ancestry tra uh, trait. So, hey, nice. <laughs> uh, a creature that fails the saving throw remembers nothing from its time spent in the Feywild. On a successful save, the creature's memories remain intact but are a little hazy. Any spell that can end a curse can restore the creature's lost memories. So I think that's kind of like a cool, weird yeah. thing. You, you go and you have this big conversation with these fairies who explain everything to you, and then you pop back and you're like, like what? oh my god, I can't what remember anything that yeah. told me. Good to have an elegy in your party, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then there's time warp. 
While time seems to pass normally in the Feywild, creatures might spend a day there and realize upon leaving the plane that less or more time is elapsed everywhere else in the multiverse. Whenever a creature or group of creatures leave the Feywild after spending at least one day on that plane, you can choose a time change that works best for your campaign, if any, or roll on the Feywild time warp table. A wish spell can use uh, to remove the effect on up to 10 creatures. Some powerful fae have the ability to grant such wishes and might do so if the beneficiaries agree to subject themselves to a Gies spell, which is a, a bad one, and complete the quest after the wish spell uh, is cast. So, you know, powerful archfey prince might be like, okay, let me place this Gies and you can go back without any time of being passed. So yeah, days could have become minutes, you know, like you spent like you know, perhaps a couple weeks there and like a single day had passed on the material plane. Like, oh, you're back already. Days become hours, no change. Days become weeks, months, or even years. So you're just like, we just spent a day there and you come back and a year has passed. You know, depending on how crazy things can get. Or well, even like a fae prince might what, be like willing to be like, all right, you have to be there by so-and-so. All right. Yeah. And this idea, the shortcutting through the planes that have a different effect, either distance-wise or time-wise, it can affect how you cut back and forth. Mm. And in the in the uh, my homebrew world, it's it works that way as well. You can use uh, parallel like planes to to make shortcuts. It's um it's is there any difference to casting spells in the Feywild as um, written? Here it doesn't state anything that mm. could be changed, but you know, casting spells inside uh, Curse of Strahd. Uh, is kind of fun because the the effects of the spells often well, look way spookier. Well, that was uh, something that you no you no this is rules is really no, is rules it rules is written? written yeah I've and there's been expanded ones on the DM's guild but yeah rules is written um, for a quick example mage hand comes out looking like a skeletal hand uh, it just it just spookifies kind of a lot of the look and feel of the spells it doesn't change the, the how they play as much as it just they just look creepy and weird and uh and yeah it's it's good times to have uh you know but the reason i like the dm's guild write up is so instead of on the fly having to think as a dm oh crap what does it look like here uh you know uh you can sort of have it uh somebody else have done a bunch of that bunch of that heavy lifting for you mm. I mean, um, that's the material trinity, yeah. you know? And that's, that's three... a close vacation. That's like that's just like a little road trip. Mm. I think we might have time today if you want. We could end the episode here and maybe save some of the, the rest of the inner planes for another episode. Or perhaps we could touch on some of the elemental planes now if you want. Yeah, let's let's go for a, like, right, let's like do it. the extended trip. This is like, you know, uh, Michelin stars, right? So Michelin <laughs> one star is like worth a stop. Michelin two stars worth a small side trip. And Michelin three star is worth traveling was, interdimensional. Yeah, the idea rifts. was getting going out of your way for this like this restaurant. Um, that was the original idea of the stars because Michelin was a, a car guide, right? Um, like Michelin tires. So the idea is that yeah. So we're now, you know, the material plane is like your one star places. The Shadowfell and the Feywild are your two star, and your three star places. If you're really going like out of your way for some food, go to. The city of brass. <laughs> yep, city of brass, baby. <laughs> we'll touch on that in a second. But the inner planes are what we just talked about. The material trinity is what I like. It was what I call them. They call it the material plane and its echoes. But um, I like to imagine that as part of the inner plane, and then all of this is a part of the inner plane as well, um, which includes the plane of water, air, fire, and earth. The, the four elemental sort of like always like depicted as like the four elements um, are of you know the elemental planes and there's an elemental chaos which is sort of like a, a soup of everything else um but we have our four key elemental planes of air earth fire and water which all sort of uh, intersect each other in certain places to create sort of mid like frost fells or great conflagrations or the fountains of creation and uh, the swamp of oblivion which i think are all quite fun as well um and you know the planes have got a lot of these sort of like border sort of mm, mini exactly. planes where things meet, match up. And you see that even in the game where there's lots of sort of elemental things that can appear that are kind of neither one thing nor another. Mm. They sort of come from the an edge space someplace that's exactly. part fire, part earth or whatever. And I mean, mages, magic stuff really draws upon the elemental planes, I feel like. Whenever you're summoning elemental stuff, those are coming straight from the elemental plane. I like to imagine a lot of... 
um, like even like a burning hands could be uh, opening a portal to the elemental plane where fire spits out. Uh, sure. And, and if, especially if you're doing a conjuration wizard, okay. I think it's a very fun. If idea. you're playing, if you're playing a, a genie warlock, one of the new uh, uh, subclasses for warlock, mm. you are definitely dealing with a patron from one of these planes. Yeah. Uh, and that's fun. I mean, I think that's kind of cool that you know we have warlocks that are attached to. Yeah, maybe somebody who lives like, who is quite a powerful uh, Ifridi living in uh, the city of, of Brass. Mm. Uh, well, first, let's touch on the elemental plane of air. Let me read a, a nice first paragraph to give you this an idea like a, of what the elemental plane of air is. This is Aarakocra land. Exactly. Plane Aarakocra, you're like, oh yeah, it, this yeah. is my, like, his, my, my people's, like, homeland. Mm. Uh, the Ellison, the e- <laughs> First start, the essential nature of air is movement, animation, and inspiration. Air is the breath of life, the winds of change, the fresh breeze that clears away the fog of ignorance and the stiff uh, stuffiness of old ideas. The plane of air is an open expanse with constant winds of varying strength. Here and there, chunks of earth drift in the openness, the remnants of a failed invasion by denizens of the plane of earth. These earth moats serve as homes for the creatures of elemental air, and many moats are covered with lush vegetation. Other creatures live on cloud banks infused with enough magic to become solid surfaces, strong enough to support uh, towns and castles. I mean, that's the idea. There's these floating earth moats where people build castles and whatnot. And And so do you see how, I mean, this is another example of how we, they've, in D&D, they've made these planes, suitable for travel mm. for a party of characters yeah so yeah i mean there's there's still land to stand upon it's not all 100 percent air because well that would suck exactly um although there is a lot of air um drifting cloud banks can obscure visibility in any direction in the plane storms are frequent mostly on par with the uh, strong thunder storm but occasionally more like fierce tornadoes or mighty hurricanes sure and if we don't get a lightning uh, elementals and stuff from the, the well you sometimes you can but couldn't they be from again these are one of those adjacent sort of ones so you never know what kind of mm. sparky storm-like creatures i might mean be. if you look at the elder tempest those are certainly pretty scary depictions of the strongest forces of the elemental plane of air and certainly lightning can be a part of that the air is mild except near the plane of water where it is biting cold and the plane of fire where it is searing hot Rain and snow fall only in part of the plane nearest to the plane of water. Most of the plane of air is a complex web of airstreams, currents, and winds called the labyrinth winds. These range from stiff breezes to howling gales that can rip a creature apart. Even the most skilled flying creatures must navigate these currents carefully, flying with the winds, not against them. So Aarakocra and things that fly here and there and whatnot gotta be pretty careful because these are pretty strong gales and currents which can take you from what's place the, to place what's the main famous city there uh the main famous city is called Akka. Akka. Uh, here and there among the labyrinth winds are hidden realms reachable only by a particular sequence of flowing winds and thus largely protected against attackers one such realm is the fabled Akka. i think that's how it's pronounced a-a-q-a uh, a shining domain of silver spires and verdant gardens atop a fertile earth moat the wind dukes of Akka are dedicated to law and good. They maintain a vigilant watch against the depred- uh, depredations of elemental evil and the encroachment of the elemental chaos. They are served by Arakokra and a little-known race called the Vati, which are mysterious. I think this is the only time that they're actually mentioned. And, and I don't know if you know this, but there's a bakery there, and it's like sponge cakes are so like full of air. Airy and, and floaty love, 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 and like, oh, soft. So good. They practically float on the plate. Yeah. Um, this is what I'm saying. Like, I think if you're going to dream up these places, dream up like, dream yeah. up a destination, Yeah, you know, that's sort of, yeah, there's some bad thing you've got to go fight there or deal with or, you know, whatever. But there's like little side trips that yeah. are worth there's, this. There's people there, you know. Yeah, and restaurants and things. Yeah, sure. Um, it's inhabitable. You know, yeah. it's not all just chaos. Oh my sure. God, everything's terrifying. These places are a little bit more inhabitable. Yeah. Although the exchange rate on like local currency versus, you know, your coin from the yeah, Forgotten the, Realms. Forget terrible. about it. Yeah. yeah you, like, just, you get so burnt on that. The region of the Plain of Air nearest uh, the Great Conflagration, which is like the part between the elemental plane of fire and air, uh, is called the Sirocco Straits. 
Hot, dry winds scour the earth moats in this era to dry and barren chunks of rock. Gargoyles and their allies from the plane of earth gather here to launch raids into the realm of Akka. Between the Sea of Fire on the fire of plane, uh, plane of Fire and the Sirocco Straits is a towering firestorm called the Great Conflagration, sometimes referred to as the Plain of Ash. Not a plane on its own, but... Yeah, yeah it's one of these border in between ones, and it makes sense, you know, when you combine the two that you end up with something in between. Howling winds from the plane of air mixed with the cinder storms and lava of the plane of fire to create an endless storm front, a wall of flames, smoke, and ash. Thick ash obscures sight beyond a few dozen feet, and the battering winds make travel difficult. Here and there, ash clusters uh, into floating realms where outlaws and fugitive take, fugitives take shelter. At the other end of the plane, near the frost fell, a plane of ice that borders the plane of water, is a uh, region of frigid winds called the Mistral Reach. These gales drive snowstorms into the Frostfell and away from it, towards the heart of the plane. Earth moats in this reach are covered with snow and ice. So words like uh, Sirocco and Mistral are actually, you know, words that we have that describe different winds, Mm. you know. Uh, here on earth i grew up in a place that had ones that were called chinooks um so you know if you want to have something adjacent to the sirocco straits you know you could have like you know the chinook uh you know passage or something uh, i like you know plane of earth has got another place that sounds like a really good destination uh it's called the city of jewels ah uh, yes and come on who do, i mean just right away like if you were playing any sort of character that has a love of stuff, or if you're, you know, for me, like immediately I'm thinking, if I had a gnome or, you know, a dwarf even or something, I'd be like, wait, wait we're going to the City of Jewels? I'd be like, dream destination. Yeah. Bucket list destination. I'd be like, uh, my, my bags are packed. You had me at City of Jewels. But like, there's four major, like, kind of like genie type elementals as well. Right. Like, the Plane of Air has, uh, they're the gin. Genie. Yeah, the gin. Um, which are, you know, your wish granting. They're the, you know, the one in the lantern that you're like most familiar with. Hmm. And yeah, so down here in the city of jewels, it's the, the Tao. Yeah. They're much more evil. <laughs> well, again, I think we're moving into an era of D and D where you don't have to be like, I mean, yeah, you can but... be, you can be like moody without being like pure, like, well, demonically like evil. slave owners, but okay. Well, again, they've got alien morale, uh, uh morale. Um, <laughs> sure why not <laughs> morality uh, they uh, yeah I mean they're they're they, they're corporations who own like mines um, mm. you know and yeah okay you say slave they say you know workforce earth um, symbolizes well that's the idea like there's tradition and they're stiff and stubborn much like earth it symbolizes stability uh, rigidity stern resolve and tradition the plane's position opposite the plane of air and the ring of the elemental planes reflects its opposition to almost everything air represents the plane of earth is a chain of mountains rising higher than any mountain range in the material plane it has no sun of its own and no air surrounds the peaks of its highest mountains. Most visitors to the plain arrive by way of caves and caverns that honeycomb the mountains. The largest cavern beneath the mountains, uh, called the Great Dismal Delve or the Sevenfold Maze Work, is home to the capital city of the Tao, the City of Jewels. The Tao take great pride in their wealth uh, and send teams of slaves or workforce across the plain in search of new veins of ore and gemstones to exploit. Thanks to their efforts, every building and significant object in the city is made from precious stones and metals, including the slender gemstone inland spires that top uh, most buildings. But they've got a pretty strict, like, uh, you know, if you've ever visited a national park or something, you know, everybody's like, hey, you know, don't pick the flowers, you know, take pictures, leave only footprints, you know, don't take stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, they kind of treat the City of Jewels a bit the same way. They're like, you know... They're not big fans of you just, like, yeah. chipping off bits to, to take home. To the nth degree, the city is protected by a powerful spell that alerts the entire Dow population if a, vid- a visitor steals even a single stone. Theft is punishable by death, with punishment extending to the thieves' relatives. And I don't know about you, but any party I've ever been in where somebody who's playing the, the character that likes to steal things... They will always, under every circumstance, try and steal something. And I'd just be like, this is just, this city just sets you up mm. for that whole, like, 
like nobody said you promised me you're not going to take anything and the thief character's like yeah yeah i'm not going to take anything so maybe they take anything and then on the way out they're like i totally took something it's like rocket raccoon and like yeah. guardians 2 it's you know you're like what have you done yeah um and suddenly wh- everyone is after you <laughs> why um i do like actually the, there's some adjacent mountains to um to the city of jewel uh the the fountain of creation mm. and it's sort of like the the border right plane of fire and mountain uh you know plane of earth and there's a space there i mean amongst the fountains of creation called the furnaces and i've always thought this as characters the idea especially if you had a dwarf or you know a forge cleric of some sort that they'd have to go here to visit some like this is extra dimensional forge mm. Like this is, you thought you saw some cool forges like in some dwarven kingdoms. No, 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 no. This, this stuff here is the ultimate forge territory. Mm. You know, this is where blacksmith gods, uh, you know, come to have work done. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, the Tao of great forges and smelting furnaces here to process their ores and shape their precious metals. Yeah. Lava seeps through their caverns in the air, reeks of sulfur. <laughs> mm. Good times. On the other end, uh, bo- the border region between the plains of water and earth is a horrid swamp where twisted, gnarled trees and thick, stinging vines grow from the dense muck and slime. Here and there, within the swamp of oblivion, also called the Plain of Ooze, which is where I think oozes should really come from. No one knows where oozes come from. Are they Jubliex? Are they just random monstrosities? Are they like mage creations? Yeah. Are they from here? <clears throat> no one knows. Why, why oozes have to have their own category? Uh, anyway, so plane of ooze. Make them elementals. Why so, not? Well, this is just it. I mean, uh, this is DM's guide. It says right here that the Swamp of Oblivion is also called the plane of ooze. Yeah. Is come this on. where they all come from? Sure. Are oozes elementals now? We've, 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 Often, if you go back in our podcast, I don't know which episode it was, um, we actually discussed a bit about oozes before and how we feel like they've been miscategorized. Yeah, that are we they should fiends? What, be, what be, are they? Fiends, should we put them in monstrosities? And now there's argument right here that they're elementals. they're elementals. You could call them, like, ugh, they're the craziest thing. I don't know why they get their own maybe category. That's because, maybe because that's just it. They're, there's too mm. much argument where to classify them. Stagnant lakes and pools play host to thickets of weeds and monstrous swarms of mosquitoes. The few settlements here consist of wooden structures suspended above the muck. Most are built on platforms between trees, but few stand uh, on stilts driven deep into the muck. No solid earth underlies the mud of the swamp, so houses built on poles eventually sink down into it. It is said that any object cast into the swamp of oblivion can't be found again for at least a century. Which yeah. I love the idea, like there's this powerful MacGuffin or like big artifact that you just t- toss in or, there. Or that, you know, we've got hag-like creatures with their walking houses, witch type mm. creatures with their houses that, even though they're sinking, because they're, they're still like legs can pull out of the muck, they can kind of stay up on top of it. And they're, they're just cruising around the Swamp of Oblivion as treasure hunters. Mm. They're just basically looking for stuff that's been cast in there that pops back up. Well, my head And cannon, then they go and hawk that stuff back in the material plane. Is that an ooze coin. that someone encounters in a dungeon may have that very object from the Swamp of Oblivion born into them. They're just manifestations of that that muck and ooze, which has right. just got stuff stuck so in it. So that little you know? chunk of, of green slime that you thought was meaningless in your dungeon that you just fireballed suddenly Pulled goes tink, the, tink, tink, yeah. something that falls on the floor after Sentient you torch sword. it <laughs> you're like wow where'd that come from mm. um yeah uh should we go to the plane of fire let's go to the plane of fire oh uh yeah yeah, yeah why not let's go to the plane of fire let's do it uh fire represents vibrancy passion and change at its worst it is cruel and wantonly destructive as the afraid are uh, as the afraid often are but at its best fire reflects the light of inspiration the warmth of compassion and the flame of desire a blazing sun hangs the zenith of a golden sky above the plane of fire, waxing and waning on a 24-hour cycle. It ranges from the white hot at, uh, at noon to deep red at midnight, so the darkest hours of the plane of um, display a deep red twilight. At noon, the light is nearly blinding. Uh, most businesses in the city of Brass, see below, uh, take place during the darker hours. The weather on the plane is marked by fierce winds and thick ash. So don't think of it as also like that it's like pure fire. 
all the time because yeah. it's not it's more of actually sand sand mm. and like really hot baked uh i mean it could almost be blackened type uh like caked mud sort of like dirt like it's even though it's not plain of earth it's more like like the cinder wastes are like black cinders and embers um that are crisscrossed by lava but i mean that you can walk on it mm. without burning or dying so yeah. again this don't think of like when you're visiting the inner planes that as a party of characters that you're immediately just going to die because of the environment around you that's the outer planes those are things those places will kill you yeah. so fast but the inner planes are travelable like by I by mean, humanoid you gotta creatures get some magic precautions still yeah yo, don't be wrong i mean a, a bit of fire resistance down here is going to go a long ways yeah um the air is breathable but creatures not native to the plane must cover their mouths and eyes to avoid stinging cinders. Yeah. The Afrit. Oh, so by the way, the elemental plane of Earth we talked about are the Tao. Yeah. Uh, the Afrit are of the, the fire plane. Also not necessarily the friendliest folks, but... No. Uh, the Afrit use magic to keep the cinder storms away from the city of brass, but elsewhere in the plane. Uh, the wind is always at least blustery and rises to hurricane force during the worst storms. The heat in the plane of fire is comparable to a hot desert on the material plane. The idea of, you know, desert sands and poses a similar threat to travelers. See extreme heat, uh, which we talked about in another episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, the one, the deeper one goes into the plane, the rarer water becomes. Beyond a point, the plane holds no sources of water. So travelers must carry their own supplies or, or produce water by magic. Or magically be able to create yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, we, I mentioned earlier about the fountains of creation. Like, they're on the border here as well. Um, on this side of the, the mountain, so it's also the plain of magma. Mm. Uh, and it's sort of like, you know, part mountainy, part volcano-y, I guess. Uh, and definitely the vacation zone dream destination for fire giants and red dragons. Mm. Uh, a lot of them have their like summer cottages here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they hang out uh, when they can. Uh, um, you know, visit from neighboring plains. Um, but yeah, the City of Brass is, gets like one of the better write-ups in the book as well. It's... Uh, it it's uh it's on the shores of the sea of fire which already sounds like like the cafe of yeah. like you know well let's talk about dream well, dates mm. like well yeah you know overlooking they're the hotel destination overlooking the sea of fire i'm like ooh yeah i mean the sea of fire uh, is sailed by the afrit and azers and and great brass ships islands of obsidian and basalt jut up from the sea dotted with ancient ruins and layers of powerful red dragons on the shore of the Sea of Fire stands the City of Brass. Yeah, cause then if you've got, a, a, are you going to book a room, make sure you book a view of the Sea of Fire. Mm, like, exactly. Because looking the other way, like having the mountain view, looking back towards, uh, you know, the, the Fountains of Creation, eh, that's not as good. Mm. City of Brass, perhaps the best known location in the Inner Plains is the City of Brass on the shores of the Sea of Fire. Right. This is the fabled City of the Afrit and its ornate spires and metal walls reflect their grandiose and cruel nature. True to the nature of the planet of fire, everything in the city seems alive with dancing flames, reflecting the vibrant energy of the plane. Adventurers frequently come here on quests for legendary magic. Uh, you know, so if something was lost in the plains of uh, oblivion, the ooze of oblivion, whatever, it might show up in the, the sea of fire. They're kind of like adjacent yeah, like I said, the, my, my treasure hunters there, when they go to Hawk stuff, they'll probably take it to the City of Brass. Mm. And... If it's possible to buy magic items at all, the City of Brass is most likely the place to find any item for sale, although, you know, though the price might be well more than gold. The Afrit are fond of trading in favors, especially when they have the upper hand in negotiations. Perhaps magical disease or poison can be cured only with something that must be purchased in the bazaars of the city. The heart of the city is the towering charcoal palace, where the tyrannical sultan of the Afrit reigns supreme, surrounded by Afrit nobles and a host of slaves, guardians, and sycophants. Sycophants? Sycophants. Yeah. Yeah. Cool write-up. I wouldn't mind playing a campaign there, you know. I agree. I've often thought that that uh, an adventure through the City of Brass is, is just begs to be done. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that sometime. Yeah. I, it, just, it just seems to be... A place, it, it also you know? just seems to be one of those ones as well that if I guess the precautions are made for fire damage, uh, it just seems more easier to visualize somehow. Yeah. Uh, 
Whereas some of the other ones, I mean, it's okay. I mean, do me wrong. In the if city of, uh, in the plane of air, floating castles. Sure. Floating castles are pretty easy to, to visualize as well. Um, I think all of these are actually not bad. Like we've all, every one of these as we've gone through it, I can see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but just the way the city of brass is, has always been sort of written up and told, it really does feel like uh, uh, their marketing for it's sure good. is yeah. good. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, calling themselves the best location, best known location in the inner planes. I mean, right away, that branding is like, it's just so on like, well, I, I need to go. We, yeah, we got to go. Yeah. We got to go. Um, it, it, I can imagine like a lot of good barbecue mm. uh, there. I don't know. Um, anyways, we got one plane left. One plane uh, left. If you're like, if you, if you've been a little bit dried out after, you know, city of brass, a bit parched, uh, the solution clearly is plane of water. Exactly. Uh, Have that, a swim. That place has got, uh, a lot going on water wise. Uh, yeah. The nature of water is to flow, not like the gussing of winds or the leaping of flame, but smoothly and steadily. It is the rhythm of the tide, the nectar of life, the bitter tears of mourning, and the balm of sympathy and healing. Given time, it can erode all in its path. A warm sun crosses the sky of the plain of water, seeming to rise and set from within the water at the visible edge of the horizon. Several times a day, however, the sky clouds over and releases a deluge of rain often accompanied by spectral shows of lightning before clearing up again. At night, the glittering array of stars and auroras bedecks the sky. I mean, that's a pretty flowery, nice write-up there. I mean, that sounds to me like a nice destination. In fact, that actually sounds more inviting than the city of uh, brass in many ways. Mm. I just think that the plane of water is not getting their marketing team out there pushing the postcards as hard as they should. Yeah, uh, I mean that's just the 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 general stuff that you know what's yeah. going on. I mean it's it's uh, you know they they sometimes call the plane of water the sea of worlds or just Sea World. <laughs> that's no. They got Shamu. There's no. like a splash zone. Nope. Oh. Uh, dotted here and there with atolls and islands that rise up from the enormous coral reefs that seem to stretch forever into the depths. The storms that move across the sea sometimes create temporary portals to the material plane and draw ships into the plane of water. Which is a great mm-hmm. story. I mean, if you're going to play like uh, on the Sword Coast and you've got a team with like a cool ship that's been built up, you're like, guess what? You're now on the, the plane of water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fun times. Yeah. Surviving vessels from countless worlds and navies ply these waters with little hope of ever returning home. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, the weather on the plain is a lesson in extremes. If the sea isn't calm, it is battered by storms. On rare occasion, a tremor in the plain, uh, planar firma- firmament sends a rogue wave sweeping across the plain, swamping entire islands, islands and driving ships down to the reefs. Yeah, I wouldn't ma- do that to your like players as soon <laughs> yeah. as they get there. Um, but, again, if you're trying to get them onto one of the islands, uh, a storm would be a good a good sort of setup uh, where, you know, they're battered at sea for a bit and then find shelter mm. or washed up on the beach of. Uh, and uh, yeah. so, yeah, there is, and there are, like I said, famous islands. Yeah, well, um, life flourishes on the upper reaches of the Sea of Worlds called the Sea of Light because of the sunlight flittering down into the water. Aquatic humanoids, such as tritons perhaps, craft castles and fortresses in their coral reefs. You can play Tritons in the game yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like there should be like, you know those Aracoca for the plane of air, Tritons for the plane of water. But what's for the plane of earth and fire that isn't just Genasi? Yeah, you're right. I mean, Because Genasi also have air and water. Genasi's Genasi. got each exactly. one of those. But we've also got like sea elves, which I don't know if that's actually from the plane, but they're kind of like underwatery creatures. But yeah, do we have a fiery? What There's no have? like a fire humanoid race other than fire Genasi like we mentioned. You yeah, know, yeah. like and like Aarakocra are just like genie folk, you know, they're their own thing. They're bird people, you know, mm. and tritons are their own thing. You know, they're water people. Yeah. I mean, we've got like definitely subterranean races, like, you know, there's the like dwarves and gnomes and things that definitely like to be. Well, you know, gnomes are debatable, but. Well, rock gnomes are definitely. Sure, but I don't think they're from Miners. the elemental plane of Earth. No, no, they're not. I'm just saying that we we have that theme in the game. But, but they are literally from the elemental yeah. plane of air. Tritons yeah. are from the like yeah. plane of water. You know, um, 
the Marids, which are the water equivalent to our genie um, quartet, <laughs> uh, are distant stewards of this region, content, uh, content to allow the lesser folk to compete for territory. The nominal emperor of the Marids dwells in the city of 10,000 pearls. Come on, citadel, that's good. The citadel. Oh, sorry, the citadel of, of 10,000 pearls. Again, that sounds like an, uh, 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 it's an opulent palace made of Come coral on. and studded with pearls. I'm like, that seems like a great destination. All you need is a little uh, water breathing spell. Boom. A little freedom of movement. And yeah, you're, you're cruising around. I mean, that sounds like an underwater place, right? Come on. Isn't that's it? sick. Yeah. That's an underwater place, that one. But I mean, d is definitely a place where you can do underwater settings. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of a fun fantasy escape to do a whole underwater setting in your game where, you know, via rings or little magical spells or whatever that the, the players have now gained the ability to hang out underwater without dying. Um, good times. I mean, fun. I mean, you can still impose like all the underwater fighting rules. Unless you've got freedom of movement, then you don't need to. But um, that's the nice part of the elemental plane of water. Well, no, I mean, I still think the Isle of Dread may be the nicest place because, again, you don't have to have those uh, all that underwater stuff. Um, there is land that rises above the surface of the sea. Uh, it's hotly contested by the few air breathers that live on the plane. Fleets of rafts and ships lashed together serve as solid ground where nothing else is available. Uh, most natives of the plane never break the surface of the sea and thus ignore these inhabitants. So you've got sort of like these expat communities uh, effectively creating like yeah, people surface, who get stuck land, surface stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the few actual islands on the plane is the Isle of Dread, which again, if you want to go dig into your first edition stuff, there's a module. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to fifth editionize it, but... Is Ghost of Salt Marsh maybe? I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know, actually. The island is connected to the material plane by means of a regular storm that sweeps over the island. Travelers who know these strange tides and currents of the plane can travel between worlds freely, but the storms also wreck ships from the material planes on the island's shore. So yeah, it's your it's your it's your way back to find yeah, the Isle of Dread. Exactly. Although the name the name sort of tells you that yeah maybe this is this is pirate land. <laughs> there's an adventure to be had here. Um, I still think the Citadel of Ten Thousand Pearls sounds dope. that sounds dope. Yeah. Um, the deeper extents of the plane where no sunlight reaches are called the darkened depths. Horrid creatures dwell here, and the absolute cold and crushing pressure mean a swift end to creatures accustomed to the surface or the sea of light. Krakens and other mighty leviathans claim this realm. So, spooky stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, there's borderlands. There's borderlands in here as well, just like there is in the other ones, where the the plane of water bumps up against the plane of earth. We talked about the swamp of oblivion a yeah. little bit. And, but um, you've got another one on this side of it, which is the silt flats, right? It's like the Delta. You got a lot of wading birds uh, hanging out here. Um, the water is thick with soil and sludge and turns into a muddy ground before giving way to the great swamp beyond. Um, I just love the fact that this is very geological. Like everything in these realms sort of go from one to another. Yeah. And there are things that we recognize here in real life and and so you can you can put players uh, in these these spaces. You can put PCs in here and have some fun with it. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, the other border area is the Sea of Ice, bordering the Frostfell. A Frostfell. There's another fell. Isn't that cute? Well, I think it's not really a Fey thing, but no, it isn't. But I mean, I just like the name Frostfell. Mm. The frigid Again, water. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to create a a, a if you want to borrow ideas from, say, Rime of the Frost Maiden mm. or Frozen-y type things, you could do a Frostfell setting. Sure. Uh, the frigid water is choked with icebergs and sheet ice, inhabited by the cold-loving creatures that inhabit the Frostfell. So this is the Sea of Ice. Drifting icebergs can carry these creatures farther into the plane of water to threaten ships and islands in warmer seas. Then the Frostfell, also called the Plane of Ice, forms a border between the planes of air and water, and a seemingly endless glacier swept a by constant raging blizzards. I like this place because if you like, if you've seen any of the new Rime of Frostbane stuff, there's there's like baby yetis, right? <laughs> what are they called? Yeti tykes, I think. Yeti tykes, yeah. So Plane of Ice is the home of yetis. So you could have like, you know, you could have your characters like find like a little lost yeti tyke. Yeah. And that they have to try and take and then back. And the Yeti mama goes, I'm like, no, we're trying to bring the Yeti back. We're being good. Um, also, you know, white dragons hang out here. Remorazes, which are the worst. Remorazes suck. Uh, they really 
do suck. And yeah, so, you know, fun times. I think Frostfell, again, if you're into the uh, the current uh, frozen, scary, wastelandy type stuff. Consider taking them to Frostfell. Yeah, Frostfell's great. Uh, the um, inhabitants of the plane engage in a never-ending battle to prove their strength and ensure their survival. It's dangerous monsters and bitter cold uh, make the Frostfell a dangerous place to travel. Most planar voyagers keep to the air, <laughs> braving the powerful winds and driving snow to avoid setting foot on the Great Glacier. Yeah, but you and know, that's our, our to... trip, our round yeah, trip you across there the, you go. Yeah. the um, plains. Around and around uh, the plains you go. The inner plains are travelable. They're, they're worth getting out to see, uh, to check out. Uh, make sure you send us a postcard. Yeah. Uh, when you're there, um, anyways, we'll be we'll be here uh, next back time to the discuss the plane. outer planes, maybe. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, the outer planes are a much bigger, more complicated matter. It's for another day, real gods, and there's a lot of them. Uh, but yeah, to take your players out for our, uh, a little trip, have some fun. Absolutely. Like I said, remember to send us a postcard. We'll be here. All right, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.